Matthew. Matthew, are you there? Hamburgers. What? Hamburgers. What? Darkness has fallen once again in and around the once small town known as Austin, Texas. Darkness has also taken over my brain, taken over my mind. Everything I see is black, basically. Maybe because it's nighttime. There is a Cheshire cat just on the horizon saying goodbye to us. It's going to be a dark dark episode. Episode 119. I think we've got the popular new segment, Matthew, Have You Ever Wondered? We'll talk about all kinds of redactions and corrections. It's been a long time. Sorry we've been away. Uh, Circumstances have unfolded out of our control. But what do we really control except this podcast? It's one magical hour. And I'm here with my podcast writer, Die. He's one of the faces in The Four-Faced Liar. He's not a bad guy. He's just a guy experiencing badness. You know him. You love him. He's Schaefer Hall. Some people call him a children's singer. Some say he's a Martinique sticker. Some say he's a friend of the Shoeless Piper. Because he has... Mandibles like the predator. He's a caster. He's a talker. He's a singer. He takes quizzes. His minutiae is so much fun. He's a designer. He's not a whiner. He helps like he watches Disney. He takes step bathrooms down to the studs. <laughs> He's Matthew. Wow. And that's a song about him. That I'm so flattered. <laughs> I'm so flattered. No one has ever written me such a precise parody. (laughs) No one's ever really captured the essence of Matthew the podcaster, like Shafee and the next door neighbor's dog. (laughs) And and your kids. And my kids (laughs) losing their mind in the house. One magical, uh, one magical nation while we were, while we were doing the intro, we just heard screams of bloody murder coming from inside Matthew's house. Yeah. Just, I think somebody might've died. Maybe. No, no, no. That was, that was just regular. That's, that's just normal bedtime. That's pretty much bedtime every night. Every, every day I wake up and hope that the next bedtime is just going to be relaxed <laughs> and it's really pretty straightforward. Like there's a bedtime and you go to your room and you're supposed to stay in your room during that time. But there's all kinds of deviations from that plan. And sometimes they include like scalping your sister or, or, or stabbing your brother, you know, whatever, uh, whatever comes first. If it's any consolation, digging Kathleen's house where I was just was is no different. It's exactly the same. I mean, I think that bedtime the world round. Yeah, it's bedtime the world over. Like, um, we, we're we just better right out of sleep. And we just work shittier as the day goes along. Yeah. And by the end of the day, we're all fried. 
and some of us have to manage our fried childs, our fried chillins. Um, um, boy, it still it still sounds a little. I think they would run out of gas, but uh... what's exciting about it is that I'm gonna come in the house after the podcast, feeling pretty good because of episode one nineteen, the episode that nobody ever thought would happen. And I'm gonna have to hear all about whatever, whatever this this melee was. Uh, I was I was pumped to podcast, but now that I'm missing the melee inside, I I, I don't know. <laughs> it's really taking the wind out of my sails. How are you? I'm doing great. We were uh, supposed to podcast a week ago tonight. Yeah, I got a lung in, lung infection, a lung rot. Associated with allergies, I guess, or I don't even know anymore. This was like, after you went to Lubbock, right? Yeah. Lubbock will make you sick. There's Every time I take my kids up there, we end up at the urgent care. And I went down to Corpus, too, and I saw, you know, mom's side of the family. And then my uncle had just been in New Orleans. So, like, there was all kinds of crazy vectoring going on. Not that it was necessarily COVID, but just, like, whatever illness, other illnesses are out there. Yeah. Like, they were all traveling around, Everybody, you know, because everybody's traveling again. Yep. So all those illnesses are moving around all the. Yeah, but th- there is that. But you you are certain it at least was somewhat influenced by allergies, right? Yeah. And so I just think that going from the sea area, mm-hmm. the, the, the land near the sea where the air is oxygen rich. And did you drive here and then to Lubbock or did you drive straight to Lubbock from Corpus? I drove straight. To Lubbock, I stopped in San Antonio to pick up Brian. You woke up in Corpus. Yeah. You went to sleep in Lubbock. Yeah. Okay. Well, this I have noticed that this is just kind of unnatural. You <laughs> go up to 3,500 feet above sea level yeah. in one day, and you move from a moist air, oxygen-rich environment to a <laughs> dry, dry air. Dusty. Cotton seed rich and environment. There's definitely all those things. The air right. mass in Lubbock is just gnar. Um, I don't know. I, we've experienced every, I, every time I take my kids there, somebody gets sick for sure. Interesting. Um, last time it was gastrointestinal. Mm. We were stuck in a terrible motel. Mm-hmm. It was about just throwing up <laughs> for like 14 hours. It was terrible. <laughs> I keep saying I am never going to Lubbock again, but I think it's going to have to happen soon. It's magnetic. keeps pulling you back. Yeah. One Magical Nation, the the crescent moon has just slipped down behind the bare trees of Austin, Texas. So it's it's in, there's a warm gloaming happening with the, uh, with the bones of the trees and then whatever planet that is up there. It's either, I guess it's either, well, it doesn't matter. There's a big planet up there. Either Jupiter or Saturn would be, I guess. It's looking great. It's a great night to be podcasting. It's, the air is crisp, and uh, Matthew has a nice nut brown ale. I have a nice, did you notice <laughs> this? We've talked about clearly Canadian on the show, right? Uh-huh. Uh, now there's clear American. <laughs> that is some kind of, like, you know, store brand. I don't know where that's from. If it's like 
uh, well, HEB or Target or Canadian, something. They just send them a letter. Clear American. But but it, again, it's not sweet like Clearly Canadian. No, it's not. Yeah, It's really good, actually. The, the good. peach flavor. I do love a good peach flavor. Okay, yeah. I'm glad as that, we all know. I'm glad that worked out for you. Can I talk about uh, the not-so-distant past? Remember when we were talking about the James Bond songs? Mm-hmm. I went and listened to a bunch of those, and I totally missed that garbage song from 1999 um that was for the living daylights or something um oh why don't it doesn't matter why don't we have the list in front of us um but but that was good no oh that is not a good one oh look here's a rolling stone article that ranks them from worst to best um i don't want to be i don't want i don't want my decision tainted by that um that was it had to have been from the world is not enough but what was the song sorry sorry folks if once again we are absolutely not ready the world is not enough correct 1999 the world is not enough um that was the name of the song I guess so. I don't really remember it that well. It was it's it's not a good song. Um I mean some of these songs though are very good. I know Tomorrow Never Dies must have been good because it's Cheryl Crow. I don't even I don't know if I listened to that one. I loved the Dell Skyfall, I remember that. So I was very I think the first Bond movie that I remember was an eighty one for your eyes only. And I remember the track for that very well as a kid. And that, that had a quite an effect on me. Um, Sheena Easton. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was influential. <laughs> um, but that aha song, The Living Daylights, that that is not a good song. <laughs> no. That is not that is not a good song. And Tina Turner's Golden Eye song is not really a great song. I really do like Adele, Adele Skyfall mm-hmm. song. That's a really great song. And and some of these, the the soundtrack of them sounds like this, like a Bond soundtrack. Not all of them. Some of them are divergent and sound more like the artist, but some of them really sound like a, a, a Bond movie soundtrack. Um, Listener Brian claims that this is quite an honor for what did you see what he said in that text? Um, man, we are we're rusty, right? (laughs) We can be a little bit rusty. Brian says, in terms of doing a James Bond track, I feel it's an honored position that tasks each artist with creating a spy vibe, sensual song without going into parody territory. And I said, good, because that's my territory. Yeah. Um, Brian actually gave it some thought. Yeah. You know, instead of just. He's a fan of the garbage. Garbage song. So he says it is awfully nice. Let's take a look at the Rolling Stone list. Okay. I'm curious. You wanna, okay, sure, sure. Um, this is James Bond movie theme songs. 
ranked worst to best. Starting with number 22, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number 21. Oh, that was Jack White and Alicia Keys. Another Way to Die, Jack White and Alicia Keys. Not the best one, apparently. Yeah, I think they might be right about that. Oh, number 20, The Living Daylights, (laughs) the aha song. Yeah, terrible. Um, you know my name. The Chris Cornell song is not that doesn't surprise. I've never been a super huge fan of Soundgarden or Chris Cornell. It's not. It's not good. All time high for like, yeah. That it's that's, that's in my top five. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Rita okay. Coolidge. All time high. Yeah. From Octopussy, Rita Coolidge. Even at number eighteen. Oh, and okay. Here's here's another one that I disagree with uh, because I was. Just enjoying this song. Okay. So Madonna's I, Die Another Day. I remember really being unimpressed by that one. No, I, I was listening to it and really enjoying it. Mm. Tomorrow Never Dies by Shokro. Number Who 16. Wrote this list? I'm let's, not sure. Let's, go, let's not go all the way. Let's go on down and see what their top yeah. five are. Um, number five, Diamonds Are Forever. Shirley Bassey. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's a, that is a classic. That kind of sets the tone for the whole... Jean yeah. of James Bond movie theme songs. Number four, Skyfall by Adele. Yeah. I, I had one of those days where you got a pop song in your head all day and it was Skyfall and it was fine and dandy. <laughs> uh, no, at no point in the day was I irritated by a pop song that had popped into my head. Good. You Only Live Twice by Nancy Sinatra. I don't know that I listened to that on that little... Deep dive. This is number three. You only live twice. Nancy Sinatra. That's one of my favorite movies. It's weird that I can't really remember the song. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it's. I would think it would probably be good. Yeah, I like Nancy Sinatra. I like. Oh well, this is obvious, and we could have guessed this. Yeah. Number two, "Live and Let Die," Paul McCartney and Wings. Man, it's a good one. It's yeah. a really good one. It was. It's so good that it was covered, and and the cover had a big hit. It's covered by GNR. <laughs> yeah, and the number one, according to <laughs> Rolling Stone, Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey. I remember that song very well. I really liked it. Yeah. So where Shirley did, where Bassey, did, where did Sheena Easton fall here? Go ahead. Shirley Bassey, the number five one too. Yeah, Shirley Bassey uh-huh. is the. Uh, Oh, I'm glad that nobody does it better. I love that song. Huh. That, that makes sense. To, okay. To yeah, number, Car- six. number six is Nobody Does It Better, Carly Simon. Carly Simon, yeah. Uh, that one's... Not... Okay, number eight, For Your Eyes Only, Sheena Easton. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. Well, I, well own, I, uh, I beat that horse opinion. twice. <laughs> you know, that horse was dead, and I just kept, just kept beating on it. <laughs> Watch any SNL lately? You fed a you fed a hungry horse. No, you fed a full horse. But was I talking to the man about it at the same time? I can't. Remember. <laughs> I've never really understood. I've never really enjoyed that turn of phrase. I got to talk to a man about a horse. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> silly. Let's not talk about that. Are we going to move on to Saturday Night Live? Have you watched Saturday Night Live lately? I have. Has anything stood out to you? Well, we came home from the TBG Christmas party the other night. Yeah. 
and we got our COVID boosters uh-huh. and just pretended like everything was going to be fine. And we went to the Christmas party and, and had a couple drinks. And then like we came home and both of us got creamed by the COVID booster uh-huh. that at the same time. And it was, I turned the show on and it was the weekend update, which is usually really, I only watch from the cold open to the weekend update. There's a half hour of the show that I, I would like to go back in time and watch that last half hour of the show from years past. And they always kind of put the the skits that they're, you know, not so sure about and trying some stuff out. That's from 1130 to 12, right? Yeah. I saw a skit with Rami Malek that almost made me pee my pants. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was so funny. And it was so <laughs> weird and random. But yes, I have been watching Okay. Yes, now lately, what what have you? Well, seen this is from your eyes, sir. The Remy Malik episode. Sorry about this. Let's see. This is another another stumble in episode one nineteen. <laughs> the episode everybody thought was going to be cack, and they were right. Listen to this. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Branches and big wet. They totally ripped off branches and big wet. Is this like a spirit Taurus stairway to heaven kind of thing? Uh, no, it's a song parody. Okay, that's you know that's something that they do. It's just surprised me that you know I thought that branches and big wet. I know this is totally irrational. I know that it's a viral thing, so that means everybody's heard it, but. I thought branches and big wet was kind of our thing, and not I know you know in my mind that's how it was, and it's, so I just couldn't believe it. So well, one magical nation, there's this song called "Turn Up on the Weekend" by these guys, branches and big wet, and that's what they're parroting in this Squid Game song. It's like it's heavy on the auto tune. Do yourself a favor, go listen to that song right now. It's a super super fun turn up party, on the weekend party jam, and. Uh, we, uh, Matthew actually does a very excellent, uh, uh, kind of freestyle karaoke version of it. Uh, but yeah, so I just, I couldn't believe it. Like, and like I say, I know it's perfectly rational that something that's viral would, that would have been seen by them too. Uh, but, uh, it was, it was really exciting, exciting for me. I was like, and, and also I was a little jealous. I guess, you know, like, you find these things and you think they're just yours, but they're not. They're everyone's. The internet is a, uh, is a, uh, it's a place that's free of, uh, free of ownership. Wild West. My pop culture knowledge is slipping a bit. I used to be on the bleeding edge. I know I've said this before. Um, but that song luckily i had seen a little squid game i've only watched for maybe three episodes and i'm it's kind of dark yeah, <laughs> i don't know you know and, uh, and kind of violent and so i haven't really i've been kind of like uh, i've been seeing it there in my feed and been like eh, i'm gonna watch something else um but I'm thankful that I had seen a few episodes of it, so I at least kind of knew what they were <laughs> yeah, talking about. Really and I also am a huge fan of Branches and Big Wet, which is kind of a viral thing, and yeah. could escape your gaze, you know? Yeah. Um. So I'm just glad I was in on that joke. Wow, yeah, you were, yeah. I guess, yeah, I wonder you how could, many... You could see that sketch and be like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. what, what was it that? It would have been really, mean? if yeah, if you didn't know 
franchise in Big Red, and more specifically, if you more importantly, if you didn't know Squid Game, that yeah, would have been a real confusing. If you hadn't seen Squid Game, which I guess everybody's seen it, but um, I don't know. Yeah, and I was I was laughing with my brother tonight about you know because my brother and I watched like one or two episodes of Squid Game, and then and I haven't watched any more of it. I guess maybe yeah, like uh, you know I'm vaguely interested. I'm I'm not obviously I'm not that interested, but uh, like it was t- it's just amazing how like it was what everybody was talking about and now nobody's talking about it. <laughs> the things your your time in the sunshine just slips slips away even faster these days, I think. I love a flash in the pan. I'm really a huge fan of that. It's akin to the fad, the great American fad, you know? Yeah. Something that people but, get into hard and then it's just gone. What a fa- what fascinating things those are. And everything is, you know... Tiger King. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then there was, like, Bird or whatever, the, like, Bird Box or something. Bird Box? Before Tiger King. What? There was some kind of horror, Netflix horror thing. I didn't watch oh, it. okay. But that was also, like... I don't watch any horror things. Yeah. Uh, I can do a little bit of ultraviolence, but not horror. Uh... And then, yeah, so, I mean, I, th- I feel like Netflix is kind of making a, like, they use it as part of their business model. It's like, this, boom, this is in your face. Now it's gone. Boom, now this is in your face. Boom, now it's gone. Now there's this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a different way of consuming media. And then you don't even, like, some of that stuff I have trouble even finding like, have you ever been on somebody else's Netflix account? Oh, it's crazy. There's like man. all sorts of things. You're like, where was this? Like, why don't they just show you? Like, I want to watch this. I you need know. to be able to go to a carousel that has everything. There, there are. I think you can go and be like, um, well, I found on Disney Plus in the search area all movies A to Z. Yeah, and that's helpful for uh, cutting out the middleman. Yeah, aka the the algorithm. Al, I call him. Oh, the, the algorithm. <laughs> Al Go is his middle name. <laughs> Makes him sound like a drummer in a jazz band. His last name is Rhythm. He's not a drummer. Beat well, he certainly beats to <laughs> beats his own drum. That, that drum is beat over and over again, beat right in your face and yeah. your ears. Yeah. Yeah, my I know mine is pretty narrow, but I, but there are other times where I'm like, it does sort of filter out the crap, like like targeted ads. They it's become a little silly. Like you type one word into a search engine, <laughs> it's, it's I mean the, it's the worst is that if you actually look at a product on a site. You're going to see that product in banner ads for weeks. And maybe maybe I don't look at enough products because... Oh, yeah, because you only see one. I only see... A, I don't stuff. do a lot of online shopping and then yeah. I'll see, be seeing the same products. But then there's that level of it where, you know, it seems like your phone's listening because you'll mention... It seems oh, like yeah. you just mention a product. That's real. That happens. And it's there. But I, I'm not, I mean, super, I don't I'm not know. super bothered by that. I guess I, I guess I should be bothered by... I'm not bothered by it either. All the data points that um, make up me 
and how in big data I'm just another, you know, example of a consumer. I in big data, I'm just another example of a consumer. Yeah, I don't care who's listening to me. I hope they're having fun. And I totally, I can totally, I don't see those banner ads. Like you, you, you can block I, them out. I don't. Yeah. yeah, like I'm the same with uh, television commercials. Like I spent years just drowning that out, and it it can come on. It can even sort of be in the background, and um, I don't I don't hear it. I can just tune it right out. Yeah, or I can enjoy it as its own entertainment. And not feel swayed at all about a product. Yeah. Sometimes but you don't I, even know what the product is. But I see my kids and how they are being indoctrinated into a consumer society. And it's frightening. Yeah. And there's, you know, when we were kids, to see a product, you'd have to go to the mall to see it. Now there's a device that brings a picture of every product into your home and so like especially with griffin every day it's like he sees somebody wearing something and he wants to look at it on the internet and it's this perpetual cycle of consumption that's really disturbing and i'm trying to be all zen and be like hey you know your desire is what makes you unhappy <laughs> to want things is what makes us unhappy. You can go down a path of feeling like you need the next thing. And it is a bottomless path and it leads to hollowness. And the only real things are free and you have to cultivate them and work for them. Like love and friendship and family and, and what does he have to say about that? He's like, I want a flat brim red Yankee cap. <laughs> He's like, guy, I care about that. I know my happiness lies in my next flat brim cap. You know, there's always going to be stuff, right? Like, it's not like stuff's going it's in. Fine. I remember as a kid desiring stuff and desiring stuff I couldn't afford. And, you know, that loomed large in my mind. And, and, you have to have you have to do a lot of living to to learn about the emptiness of desire you know um you got to go on a lot of vision quests and i i should be thankful for all the experiences that taught me that you know and and i'm 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 not perfect i'm susceptible to wanting stuff i was going to say yeah and all that so all that said, I still want things. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I still want things, but I know they're not going to make me happy. I, I can separate the utilitarianism of these. Most of the things I want are pretty like. like I like to have a, a, a vehicle that operates well, so I don't have to mess with car repairs. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a good example of car. I, I, I can go down a a little bit of a rabbit hole with cars, but, but it's not like I need a top of the line, whatever. And, and if, if I have a, an operating vehicle, it's, I'm not really lusting after other vehicles. I might be looking at them going, Oh, that's my, that I would like for that to be my next vehicle, but it's always at an appropriate time. Um, and I, I like to have 
some decent pieces of clothing. I'll, I'll spend a little money on some on some decent clothing, and, but you know, I, I materialism just is such a drag, man. It just it, it it drags me down thinking about it. I see people who are just like chasing this happiness and this high through consumerism and it's so hard not to do, not to feel. Clothes is definitely something that I, I've never understood that. Like, I like to get the cheapest, most comfortable possible clothes from the easiest possible source, whatever it may be. You know, I've just had experiences with clothes where if, if you pay a little more for something, there are, there are certain companies that make a thing that's so durable and lasts a long time. Like yeah. I really admire that. Yeah. And then it becomes worth the money. Clothes. And yeah. I I only do free T-shirts these days. Like my entire, t- <laughs> I think my entire T-shirt collection at this point is either free or very cheap. I've got so many free T-shirts; they're great. There's a lot of free T-shirts in this world, particularly if if you're in the booze industry. Yeah, they're everywhere. Booze industry, and then, um, you know, we we have a friend. Uh, that's in a little band called the brand new step with Angelo Moore, whom he, he makes t-shirts and he gives me one every time. Some of them are designs that I've helped him with um, that he's been a great source of free t-shirts lately. They're actually quite cool and not, you know, they're not shilling a product. Yeah. That's nice. Representing your friend's band. Sure. But, um, you know what we we've yammered on. Are we still in the opening of the show? <laughs> no, we've, we, uh, We've hit uh, the first two. Uh... Are we recording? Okay, good. <laughs> that would that would not be a that would not be the worst uh, few minutes of tape that we ever lost. <laughs> yeah, if we lost that, that would be okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're, we we got that one, and we'll probably publish it. Um, I, you know what might bring this cast up to like the next level. A wonderful edition of Matthew, Have You Ever Wondered? Ah, Yeah, Matthew, Have You Ever Wondered? Matthew, Have You Ever Wondered? Wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on imaginary radio. I'm living on that W-O-M-H. Apple! Oh, I've got the theme song. I played it. Didn't you hear it? <laughs> Matthew, have you ever wondered what what was Steve Miller talking about when he said, some people call me Maurice because I speak of the pompatus of love? Okay, finally. Uh, Matthew, have you ever wondered that where I have actually wondered the thing? Um... I have a real special relationship with that song. Like I feel that song came into my life in a time. I remember exactly where I was when I like, I maybe hadn't heard it before, but I remember the first time that I really heard that song. I was at Bennigan's. <laughs> um, <Great> memories. <laughs> On um, having a Monte Cristo in Arlington, Texas, 
near the mall in Arlington. What is that main thoroughfare? I was I was having a Monte Cristo. That was I was I think I was like sixteen, maybe fifteen, and we had just moved to Arlington, and we were at a Bennigan's, and I remember hearing that song and like it totally blowing my mind. Uh, and then the Monte Cristo blew my gut out. It's a good sandwich though. Um, yeah, th- that's not the most mysterious part of that track either, is it? Well, so okay. You, have you looked into what the Pompatus of Love is? Yeah, I have because I always kind of thought that I knew. First of all, I always ex- I always just accepted the word Pompatus as being a real world, real word, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, which it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like that was kind of my first thing, and then. Uh, the re- and then there's there's a book called Maurice by E.M. Forrester that's about a a gay man in Victorian England. And E.M. Forrester, he's the guy who wrote like uh, Passage to India and all those movies that Merchant Ivory made movies out of. Like I can't think of them now off the top of my head, but they made like they made like a half a dozen movies. Uh, Merchant Ivory made out of E.M. Forrester books. There was that one with uh, with Daniel Day Lewis in it. Uh, what are some? Yeah, what are some of his books? Uh, Passage to India, where angels fear to tread. Yeah. Oh, a room with a view. That's the one I was thinking of. They also like uh, Merchant Ivory. These two producers, maybe it was a producer and a director, Howard's End. Uh, they like made their whole career just making this guy's books into movies. Uh-huh. Okay. And one of them was Maurice, which is about uh, starring Hugh Grant. Yeah. Okay. I've never actually seen this movie, but the VHS, it was available for rent on VHS at Hastings. And at some point I must have picked it up and read the back because I knew that it starred Hugh Grant and I knew that it was about uh, homosexuality and, you know, uh, yeah, the turn of the turn of the century England. And I always just assumed that that's what uh, that that's what he was talking about, you know. And there's this. Well, wait. There's <laughs> this book and movie about love. Isn't the timeline off on that? Uh, oh, oh, the book is is quite is older, right? Okay, the I book's get it. Older, the, the, yeah. the, the, the movie's only from '87. Uh, yeah. No, the book's from yeah. 1909. Right. So. Uh, and so I figured that that was it. You know, I mean, it's a strange line, and it's hard to hard to parse anyway. Uh, so finally, I looked it up, and that is not right. It's really funny. Uh, uh, Steve Miller was really into you know old R and B and soul music, and the uh, he actually got it from an old Vernon Green song. And it was actually, Vernon Green was singing about the, he had made up his own word also, the puppetus of oh, love. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and Steve Miller misheard it as pompatus. Uh, Vernon Green then goes on to say that, like, that puppetus is, the puppetus of love is how, you know, love pulls your strings and you're like a puppet or something like that. Anyway, totally. And 
he miscredited it. He thought that he thought that it in his in in Steve Miller's memory, he thought it was some other R and B singer, a guy named Maurice. Uh, but it was actually Vernon Green who sang about the Pope. So he was totally he was getting the word wrong, and he was misattributing the quotes. Wow! And, so, and, and it was it right there in a huge song. That, uh, it's really confusing. Yeah, that's a little like this podcast. It was misquoted. The words were slightly wrong. Everything was so confusing. Do I say Pompatus funny? Pompatus. And but yeah, but Vernon Vernon Reed actually talks about the not even puppetus puppetutes the puppetutes p u p p e t u t e s oh huh yeah and so pompatus has its own Wikipedia entry the word pompatus oh uh-huh. <laughs> the word is probably a corruption of or imagined variation on the word puppetutes which was itself a coinage originated by Vernon Green at the age of fourteen. Green included the word puppet toots in the lyrics of a duox on the letter from 1954, performed by himself and the medallions. The letter also included another coinage, pismatality. <laughs> pismatality. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently there is a movie called The Pompatus of Love starring John Cryer from 1996, which, all right, guys, I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to get back to you. It must be good. Now, did you were you saying James Ivory? Yeah, James Ivory and Mer- and Ismail Merchant. Okay, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with. I mean, I'm fa- I, I'm familiar with some of these movies. Those movies I, are great. Room with you. I, I honestly don't think I've ever seen. Room with a View is one of my all time favorite movies. Okay, so good. Yeah, got everyone in it. D- didn't. Hitchcock also make a movie called Room with a View? Uh, what am I thinking of? No. <laughs> I'm thinking of something else. Uh, <laughs> What's the movie where, oh, where Jimmy Stewart breaks scre- his leg <laughs> and he's looking out the window? They're screaming at their uh, rear window. <laughs> rear window. A room with a view. Okay. <laughs> I think as a kid, I a, had those mistakes. A room with the rear, a room with the rear window. And then there's a view to a kill. View to a kill. <laughs> and then there's Howard's End. I, I remember Howard's End very well. Like that was a time. No, that came out. We're in high school. 1992, when I was really key, remains of the days. Into... Remains of the days, an amazing book, uh, amazing movie too. Actually, that Casual is your girl. I love his books. So those guys just produced movies that were screenplays of. Books written by Ian Forrester. Yeah. They made their whole career out of that. Yeah, almost exclusively Ian Forrester, except, you know, Runnings of the Days, Casual as Girl. That, that's fascinating, right? Yeah. Mm. When they did that Call Me By Your Name movie. I mean, Ian, Ian, Ian Forrester really was long dead before any of that, right? Like, did it... I think so, yeah. Huh. Yeah, he was writing at the turn of the century. So. What an awesome thing it would have been if he didn't known about all that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was a popular writer back in his day. I assume he was. His books don't suck, do they? No, they're excellent books. Okay, yeah. I, I, 
Actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't know that I've ever actually read a single. I read a Remains of the Day, but that was by a different person. It's interesting to think that you produce a work of art and that somebody many years after you die is going to expand on that universe of your work of art, like turning it into a different work. And I used to really find solace in the notoriety of or or the idea that your art could bring you notoriety after your death you know like it almost doesn't matter if you if you believe in the work and you know maybe you're misunderstood in your time which is a a common thing that happens with innovators you know that after you die you, you know that your art has this whole other life beyond you i, I still like that idea yeah I, I, i'm not previously and i'm I'm less caught up on that now i've never quite understood it because you know you're dead you can't appreciate it i know but but your you your ideas like they ripple through time. Okay, yeah. I, I don't know. I find solace in that. In the same way that I find solace in the actual physical bits of your body being like consumed by the earth, by worms, feeding like Yeah, so you, I agree you, with you. Like I find a lot of solace. You actually yeah. you are matter and then your matter feeds through its decay. It nutri- it feeds the nutrients that like become the you know. So I I I don't know. I'm not scared of death. Which is <laughs> that's basically where every Matthew ever wondered ends up <laughs> is that you knew you shouldn't think you're gonna die. You should know you're gonna die. I, uh, yeah. And find solace in that, that you'll feed the worms. I don't feel like I'm frightened of death either, but actually confront me with it. Maybe I'll tell you something different. <laughs> I mean, at the moment, it's it can be a bit jarring and concerning. but And I agree with you. And But that's why we got to do the podcast, because if we don't get this art out in the world, then we won't ripple through time. I think the podcast is important because... They'll be able to recreate robotic Schaefer's and Matthews. Oh, can you imagine our animatronic? <laughs> uh, speaking of how your art is going to ripple through time, our animatronic display at um, it's gonna at Manisha's <laughs> at the, the Bendari World of Wonder, which will be like Manisha's grandchild's like endeavor. I just watched The Greatest Showman, which is like the oh, yeah. movie. I was actually quite touched by that movie. Um, you know, like I haven't seen it. I should. It, it's interesting. It's interesting. And then, and then when you read that P.T. Barnum died when he was thirty, you're like, "Whoa, okay, <laughs> he did a lot." Stuff done, did he? Yeah, yeah, he got it, he got it going. Um, I'm not recommending that film, but it, it, no, it's it's good. It's good. I, it, too many songs. But I think that of every musical. I'm like, yeah, it was good, except for this. Uh, you know what? I really enjoyed it. And it just kind of came on. I was like, man, I guess I was just exhausted after working last weekend. And, you know, it was just like, I just ended up, I was like, all right, Amazon, I'll watch whatever you tell me to watch. Yeah. And it was. Sometimes you just got to bow to the. 
<laughs> and it was that uh, to the Algo Benedict the Cumberbatch Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch movie that's called like the Crazy Life of Louis Wayne or something Louis Wayne. Okay, uh, but he plays this guy who popularized drawings of cats in oh. newspapers in oh. England. Okay, <laughs> like, I don't know about that. It was super good, super huh. good. And uh, the lady who plays his girlfriend is the lady who played the young queen in uh, The Crown. Oh, yeah. Uh, who is, I think, just great. She has so much poise and she's so beautiful. It's, uh, I really enjoy watching her do pretty much anything. So that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Louis, Louis Wayne is a really weird dude. who drew pictures of cats. And I like cats. And apparently... Apparently, cats were very, they were looked down on in British culture, English culture, and his drawings kind of turned people's opinion of him. Oh. And people came to love cats, and they weren't just, they were considered pests, basically. They just, well, people love dogs. The, the but, tool of witches. Yeah, the idea of having a, having a cat in your house is a really weird thing to do. Oh, interesting. And, What's uh, the time period? I, 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 over a hundred years ago. Like, okay. I don't think there were. Yeah. I guess there were cars. So maybe about a hundred years ago. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. <sighs> I didn't realize. Yeah. I think cats are really cool, actually. I love cats. I'm, I've never understood I'm, this cats versus dogs thing. Like, I like dogs yeah, and can, I like cats. You can like both. I'm, I like all animals. I like turtles. I'm not. I like a, gerbils. I'm not what you call a dog person. I like bats. Um, which I know horrifies people. Like, people like recoil in horror when I say, you know, I'm not really into dogs. I, what, I, what I think is awesome is our relationship with dogs historically and how they helped us defend our small communities against wolves and things like that yeah, you that's know cool. that was very cool and they've been amazing in a lot of capacities but what i don't like is for people to bring their dogs to the coffee shop every time i i don't think dogs have any place in restaurants Really? You know, it's and, and I, it just goes back to people. Like people can't be trusted with things. I, oh, like, oh, oh! It's it's not the dogs that I have a problem with. It is dog owners. Yeah, I should start saying that. <laughs> I, there, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a movie called Must Love Dog Owners. <laughs> there are some dogs that I love to have in my bar. Honestly, but you find out that nobody likes. That's fine. It would be fine if they're nice, well-behaved dogs. Dogs are just like people. Yeah. There are some nice ones, and then there are 95% assholes in the world. So, And, and I, dogs see, dogs definitely take after their owners. Uh, so it's it's safe to assume that if yeah, dogs like, acting like an asshole, the owner's probably but, shitty too. But, I, but cats, I've always seen from a young age that dogs are just, they're so needy, you know? And they'll they'll take love from anybody, and they just want your approval. They're just dying for your approval. Cats are discerning. You know, they're gonna they look at you and assess the situation. <laughs> and I'm unfortunately allergic to cats. My first pet was a cat we took in during a snowstorm in Lubbock when when I was in second grade. He was a tabby. He was already older when we got him. His name was Steve. And I used to carry him around on my neck like a shepherd would carry a sheep with <laughs> with with his feet on either side of my neck. 
he was a great chill cat. But I coincidentally had asthma as a kid. And I don't I don't think that was a coincidence. I I think I think Steve definitely had something to do with my Steve asthma. Didn't it was around the same time that I of course not. Steve but didn't want to give it. Um so I don't have any pets because I have I have animal allergies, which mm. I think is but I, I love the way cats are about things. And and I have this experience where I get around cats and I know that I can't really touch them. And so I just I'm discerning too. I mind my business. And so then they're all in my business. <laughs> they're like, what's with this guy? Why doesn't he want to pet us? What's your angle? You know? Um no, I, I love cats, but but I can't believe I've I can't believe I said that on my podcast. I love cats. Okay, let's let's just let's just check some of the things off the uh, old show sheet. We're gonna call this um, <laughs> show sheet in five minutes. The end of the show sheet in five. I love. Okay, one magical nation. I I put on the show sheet. Viruses are human too, and I don't remember exactly what I was talking about, but I was definitely lying on my bed thinking about how, like, hey, the COVID virus is just trying to make it in this world, and it's uh, hmm. and it's kind of doing a pretty good job. I, th- you know? I thought that you just didn't write that line right. I thought you meant <laughs> humans are viruses too. <laughs> <laughs> humans are the planet's virus. Um. Okay. Viruses so, are just young little sh- little things trying to make it in this world. Shavy's <laughs> just calling for you know equality and equity amongst viruses. Um, I think that's. I don't, honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> like, I think I think you're taking some kind of weird fever vi- virus related fever when I wrote that I think down. You're taking equality a little far when you're like. <laughs> You're demonstrating for virus voting rights. <laughs> You're like, well, who would the Omicron variant support? Yeah. yeah Pro- probably like- probably a Trumper. <laughs> uh, while we're on political things, which as everybody knows, this this is not this is not a political show. Have you heard of this let's go Brandon thing? No. I first saw it on written on the back of a number of vehicles on my way back from Jackson, Mississippi to Austin, Texas over the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh-huh. I saw Let's Go Brandon written on a couple different vehicles and shoe polish and then one like on a on a semi truck just like scrawled into the dust on the back of it. And you would have been so going through some very red country. It was pretty point. red, yeah. It was north, so northern it? Louisiana and East Texas. Uh, that is basically saying F Joe Biden. Uh, it was, there's a NASCAR driver. His name's Brandon. I don't even, I don't know the details on this. And there was a broadcast and the NASCAR crowd was chanting F Joe Biden, F Joe Biden. And the announcer Said, oh, sorry about that, folks. I think they're saying, let's go, Brandon. And that has become this is this is some niche uh pop culture, if you can call it that. Um, so that has become uh the rallying cry for the right 
against Joe Biden. What a what Let's a go what Brandon. a boon for this NASCAR driver. I know, right? Like, or do you think he's like? I wonder if he's maybe his politics are actually a little bit. Uh, I'm sure. More, I'm sure he's like. Yeah, any press is good press, right? All right. Um, that is so really I just, weird. I just wanted to hip you to that in yeah, case thanks. you see it. All right. Uh, God, strange. Strange world we live in. It is a very strange and terrible world we live in. But, you know, we're trying to make the best of it. And that's what the podcast is about. Yeah. Moving on. I wanted to talk to you about the naming of episode 118, the Carly Rae Jepsen conservatorship. Yeah. <laughs> I like the name, but this was the episode in which we talked about Carly Rae Jepsen. I, I just wanted you to. Oh, was it? Oh, did you know that? Confusing. Did you know it was the next episode that you named? Um. Uh, well, but I think in the in 118, I actually cracked a joke about the Carly Rae Jepsen conservatorship. I think okay, I think um, I hadn't put put them all together like that. Okay, I'm gonna go back and check on that. Okay, <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> okay, okay, just, no big deal. Just wanted to mention it because okay. in that that other episode was when I was confused about who was you know who was who. And then, uh, right. In 117, you were confused. Well, and then, um, I did call me maybe as the parody. And then I think on 118, I, I did call back to it and I was like, oh, you remember? I, and I actually cracked the joke. I was talking about the Carly Rae Jepsen conservatorship. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, anyway, Lo I love that title. Love Carly Rae Jepsen. Love Brittany. So happy that she's doing well now. Yeah. Um, and Carly Rae Jepsen, get asked. Tell us what you're up to these days. I hope that you haven't had to deal with any uh, conservatorships in your life. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Chris has gone much better. I don't know. I, yeah. I also think that, like, in this really divisive time, at least there are things that we can all rally around, like Free Britney. You know, yeah. I don't think there was anybody in the country who was like, "Yeah, but Britney's dad was just doing the right thing." <laughs> you know, I don't think, I don't think, let's, as twisted as some people are, I don't think anybody was hollering that. Let's right? go. Let's go. Britney's dead. Yeah. Um, Nothing I want to pre-promote some avocado reviewage coming up soon. Shout out to the one of the greatest guests of all One Magical Hour history, Rachel Schuchert. No doubt. I've been watching Babysitter's Club season two. Yeah. Have you? Have you? I have not. No. Yeah, I, you're following behind. I is want you, to. Is Al not showing you the right thing? Yeah, maybe the yeah, what's, maybe the what's up, Al? Um, of course, you're not on a kids channel. Yeah. Um, we started watching that over Thanksgiving. Um, we're on like episode four of the new season, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do a full avocado review until I've seen the new season. But let me tell you, that first four episodes are gangbusters, cool. and it's very interesting. Like a lot of cool shows, like The Mandalorian, they have different writers and directors, you know? Of course, Rachel runs the show, but then you'll see at the end of the episode, like, screenplay by somebody else or something. Mm -hmm. You can really feel and taste the Shukert when it's one of hers, yeah. you know? Yeah. Really good stuff. Cool. Uh, I'm excited to, I'm excited to watch it. I'm really, like, often, you know, with, with any show, like, the second season, they kind of come into their own you know the characters get fully developed the uh writers are a little more comfortable kind of doing maybe doing you know more unusual things making some uh more more uh some choices that they might not have 
a Shafi disparaging season one. Of no, no, guys. not at all. I enjoyed season one. But, uh, yeah. But I, you just want to see what they can do once they spread their wings. Yeah. Sure. Often the second season is when they really uh, let it fly. I agree. I agree. We're watching a bunch of those little shows where I see it. I see it gain speed in the second season. Um, and I wanted to just reach back in time because there's not enough step <laughs> because there's not enough nostalgia on this program. Um, have you ever seen a little film called Jumanji? You know, I never uh, saw the original 1996 Robin Williams Jumanji. I've, I've actually never seen. Well, let me tell you the reason you've never seen it is because you are like a sophomore and in, in college and, yeah. and you know, this was a kid's movie at a time when you and I weren't watching kid's movies. And yeah. I missed it, too. But you remember it being a big movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me saw you. What? Let me let me saw you now. Saw, saw away, sir. <laughs> put me in my oh, put me let in the box me tell you. Saw me in half. <laughs> we saw, we watched, as a family, Jumanji. And it's really interesting. And re- it's really good. It's It's a little dark. Yeah. Like, it's not super light times and it features a ton of really terrible special effects where <laughs> so it's just some early cg stuff that is just garbage but like the crux of it is it's almost like a horror movie for kids in a way wow like the game uh, is like a curse mm-hmm. kind of thing and um it has uh, like obviously, there's no verisimilitude to it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it ha- there's no part of it is attached to reality. It's a it's a cursed game that at the first of the movie is buried in the ground, um, by people in like. I, I think the time period is like the 1890s in mm-hmm. a town in New Hampshire. And then it's the, and then it flashed to 1969 in this town. And this kid finds this game on a construction site, like deep in the ground. And then um, this is not, this is not spoiling the movie, but the, the the kid plays the game with a with a girl and he is sucked into the game like he rolls and and he is drawn he is pulled into the game in this really terrible cg like particle burst of reality that then he's pulled into the game and the vibe is that the kid disappears and his parents are like blamed for his disappearance. And the girl uh, goes, is, is thought a crazy person because she's like (laughs) the circumstances around the game are like actually pretty horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. Everybody go out and see, 1996's Jumanji starring Robin Williams. I Get at us and let me know what you think. Do you think this is a dark movie for kids? I'm interested to see this movie now. I, I, I actually saw the reboot with The Rock okay, and Kevin uh, Hart. Yeah. Not very dark. Not very, not, it's is very, it not dark? Very silly. It's funny how you can Very silly, very safe you can't really, comedy. You, don't, you can't really make a dark movie for kids anymore. 
That's, that's another sort of thing that's kind of slipped out of the zeitgeist. They don't seem to... Like Goonies, maybe a, an example of kind of a dark movie for kids. Yeah, Goonies is weird. Like Goonies is weird, dude. Like, like Chunk, and it's, it, you know... Um, they kept their brother chained up in the, in the cave, like... I think this could, and there was could, the whole thing with the, a, with the dick at the beginning could be a future show topic. <laughs> Dark films for kids. <laughs> I I told you this was going to be a dark, dark episode, didn't I? You did. The moon has set. What does that mean? That means it's time for poetry, poetry corner. corner. I pulled up, folks, just to to try, to try to get out of what I feel like is a sinking ship of an episode <laughs> we're already dead I, uh, <laughs> we it's are. pearl harbor day by the way i pulled up a very short i was that's like i was thinking about ezra pound earlier today and how he has just some just nice very very odd little short short poems so this is ezra pound fan piece for her imperial lord oh fan of white silk clear as frost on the grass Blade, you also are laid aside. I love, uh, I love Ezra Pound. Decided to go with a short poem because of the sinking ship. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, uh, I'm glad we're back in action. I I think uh, it'll be one where you, where you listen back someday and you'd be like, wow, that was a gem. I th- that I thought was crap at the time. It wouldn't surprise me at all. That's happened to me on a number of occasions. And you know, when you've done 119 podcasts like we have, you know, you learn that you're you know, just getting started. Energy goes up, energy goes down. Yeah. Subject matters change, other subject matters stay the same. I wouldn't be surprised. I was thinking at some point during tonight's show, I was like, we have definitely had this exact conversation before. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a broken record. I, <laughs> but, uh, I bring things up again. I don't think that's a problem at all. I think that's that's probably a comfort com- comfort to a lot of our close listeners. Maybe. Actually, Maybe. I'm talking about Brian Ellen Ferguson. Uh, you know who got at, got at me and said that he was listening to the show is oh. Mike Sammons. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So shout out to Mike Sammons. He's a uh, well. Nobody listens to the end, so. Go ahead. He's shout out. <laughs> shout out to anybody. They'll never hear you. It's like a dark horror for kids. I had to do a uh, a call for him. Uh, he put me on 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 his list of rec- of uh, oh, references. He gave a job reference. Yeah. Him? So he's uh, he's uh, he's looking to work with this really cool project in uh, in. The French Quarter in New Orleans. Oh wow! And so they called me, and I had to, you know, um, be. I was both effusive and honest, and I think I, if I don't mind saying so, I think I did a great job. Well, you're a man of integrity. Of, uh, <laughs> and so good luck with that, Mike, and thanks for listening to the show, and thanks to all of you out there. Thanks, Cat and Jeff and Grace and Manish. Are Cat and Jeff still listening? Adam. I don't know. I drove through Kilgore and I thought about them. Oh, yeah? Coming, oh, coming and going. Should have thrown them a text. That's lunch next, next time I Next time I'd like to meet them at the at the Chick-fil-A in Kilgore. 
Not because we hate gays, but just because Chick-fil-A's have clean <laughs> bathrooms. Uh, and all of you out there, thank you so much for listening. It's such a pleasure to do this for you. Uh, sorry about, I had an idea about possible, so we don't have breaks like this in the future. I was thinking at some point uh, between now and the first of the year, you and I might sit down and what if we just like recorded like some quiz episodes, kind of like Luke and Andrew do, but then we just had them in the hopper yeah. to where they could just go out if we did have to miss a week for like it's not a horrible being, idea being sick or something yep and then and then one can just go out and that could be a fun weird and i think it'd be fun because some of the like kind of some of the references might be a little out of date even you know just a few weeks later or whatever yeah uh people could try to Id- identify it or i like it some insiders might know what was going on other people might just think oh that was just another short episode or whatever we need to just set aside a whole Sunday afternoon and record like five episodes. Yeah. Because the fifth one will suck worse than this one. <laughs> All right. All right. We love you. Take care. Uh, More of the choices. Sweeter the wine.